Okay, well, good morning, family. Uh, this morning, I want to start off um, our three-week series, uh, which is titled Tips and Tricks for Reading and Understanding the Bible, uh, by reading a passage from Judges. And the passage, if you have your Bibles or you want to pull it open in your phones, um, is Judges 19. And it reads, A Levite and his concubine is the title. In those days, when there was no king in Israel, a certain Levite was sojourning in the remote parts of the hill country of Ephraim, who took to himself a concubine from Bethlehem in Judah. And his concubine was unfaithful to him, and she went away from him to her father's house at Bethlehem in Judah, and was there some four months. Then her husband arose and went after her to speak kindly to her and bring her back. He had with him his servant and a couple of donkeys, and she brought him into her father's house. And when the girl's father saw him, he came with joy to meet him. And his father-in-law, the girl's father, made him stay. And he remained with him three days. So they ate and they drank and they spent the night there. And on the fourth day, they arose early in the morning. And he prepared to go. But the girl's father said to his son-in-law, Strengthen your heart with a morsel of bread, and after that you may go. So the two of them sat and ate and drank together. And the girl's father said to the man, Be pleased to spend the night and let your heart be merry. And when the man rose up to go, his father-in-law pressed him till he spent the night there again. And on the fifth day he arose early in the morning to depart, and the girl's father said, Strengthen your heart and wait until the day declines. And so they ate, both of them. And when the man and his concubine and his servant rose up to depart, his father-in-law, the girl's father, said to him, Behold, now the day has waned toward evening. Please spend the night. Behold, the day draws to its close. Lodge here and let your heart be merry. And tomorrow you shall rise early in the morning and you'll journey and go home. But, 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 the man would not spend the night. He rose up and he departed and arrived opposite Jebus, that is Jerusalem. He had with him a couple of saddled donkeys and his concubine. And when they were near Jebus, the day was nearly over. And the servant said to his master, come now, let us turn aside to the city of the Jebusites and spend the night in it. And his master said to him, we will not turn aside into the city of foreigners who do not belong to the people of Israel. But we will pass on to Gibeah. And he said to his young man, Come and let us draw near to one of the places and spend the night at Gibeah. So they passed on and they went their way. And the sun went down on them near Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin. I do have a point, I promise. And they turned aside there to go in and spend the night. And he went in and he sat down in the open square of the city. For no one took them into his house to spend the night. And behold, an old man was coming from his work in the field at evening. And the man was from the hill country of Ephraim, and he was sojourning in Gibeah, and the men of the place of Benjamites. And he lifted up his eyes, and he saw the traveler in the open square of the city. And the old man said, Where are you going, and where do you come from? And he said to him, We are passing from Bethlehem in Judah to the remote parts of Ephraim, which I come. I went to Bethlehem in Judah, and I am going to the house of the Lord, but no one has taken me into his house. We have straw and feed for our donkeys with bread and wine for me and your female servant and the young man with your servants. There is lack of nothing. 
And the old man said, Peace be to you, I will care for all your wants. Only do not spend the night in the square. So he brought him into his house and gave the donkey's feed, and they washed their feet and ate and drank. As they were making their hearts merry, behold, the men of the, of the city, worthless fellows, surrounded the house, beating on the door. And they said to the old man, the master of the house, bring out the man who came into your house that we may know him. And the man, the master of the house, went out to them and said to them, no, my brothers, do not act so wickedly since this man has come into my house. Do not do this vile thing. Behold, here is my virgin daughter and his concubine. Let me bring them out now. Violate them and do with them what seems good to you, but against this man do not do this outrageous thing. But the men would not listen to him. So the man seized his concubine and made her go out to them. And they knew her and abused her all night until the morning. And as the dawn began to break, they let her go. And as the morning appeared, the woman came and fell down at the door of the man's house where her master was until it was light. And her master rose up in the morning, and when he opened the doors of the house and went out to go on his way, behold, there was his concubine laying at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. He said to her, get up, let us be going. But there was no answer. And then he put her on the donkey, and the man rose up and went away to his home. And when he entered his house, he took a knife, and taking hold of his concubine, he divided her limb by limb into 12 pieces, and sent her throughout all the territory of Israel. And all who saw it said, such a thing has never happened or been seen from the day that the people of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it, take counsel, and speak. Now, you may be thinking, why on earth? And a button? Would you read a passage like that this morning? Well, there is a point. Because this year we have talked as an eldership about wanting it to be a year where we fall more in love with the word and deepen our understanding of it. But we acknowledge that this can be really, really hard. You may hear passages like that one and ask yourself, how am I supposed to fall in love with the word of God when it contains scripture like that? How does scripture like that apply to me in my life, in my Christian walk, in my relationship with Jesus? How am I to apply it? How is it relevant? Am I a bad Christian for struggling to read and understand the Bible and plain just not getting it? Family, I come before you this morning not as a biblical scholar. For the majority of my Christian walk to date, I have read the Bible out of guilt because we all know it's the kind of thing we should be doing. Um, but when I did read it, I got very little out of it. Um, so I understand so very much then what it is like to find this hard to open, to find it to be unmotivated and to be confused by its contents, especially the ones like the one I have just read to you. However, over the last few years, God has had me on a journey, and I have come to love the Word, and I have had exciting aha moments, 
and exciting moments of wonder at the sophistication of this gift. And I have come to grasp just how sophisticated and special this gift in its entirety is to us. And the more that I learn, the more I realize there is to learn. And so I come before you today at the start of this three-week series um, as your sister who is on this journey. But my hope over the next three weeks is simply to share with you all some of the things that have helped me on my Bible reading journey to date. Because unwrapping and understanding this gift is a journey, folks. We'll explore that passage in Judges more, and we'll be exploring a lot of other things as well. So I thought at this point um, that it would be prudent as we start um, a three-week series on reading and understanding the Bible, just for us to, to surrender the three, next three weeks um, to God in prayer. So if you would join me. Father God, we just, we just adore you. We just adore you. And we gaze at the beauty of you hanging on that cross for us. And for all that you've done. And we're thankful that, that you saved us from the death of our, trans, of our transgressions, and you give us life. And we thank you for this gift of the word that you have given us. And we just pray that over the next three weeks that you will be stirring each of us. May you be speaking to each of us and just revealing more and more about how we can get into this gift that you have given us so that we can get to know you more. But we just surrender the next three weeks to you, Father. And we ask for you and your presence to be with us over the next three weeks and always, and my church family says, there you go. So as I've already alluded to this morning, I consider reading and understanding the Bible as a journey. And it is a journey that we are going to start taking together over the next three weeks, specifically a tramping journey. Now, if you will do me the honor of imagining that our church family have all squeezed ourselves into this 120-seater bus. And over the past couple of months, you've known that this family journey was going to happen. You've known that 2022 was going to be a year where we pursue going deeper in the Word. And thus, the destination for our bus trip today is a track called Reading and Understanding the Bible. Now, two weeks ago, we all piled onto the bus at the church car park, and as we left, left the church car park, our brother Mike Collins got out of his seat, and he walked up to the front of the bus, and he shared with us all why, how the track that we are heading to is a crucially important one, as there is no other track that changes the way that we live our lives and provides grounding memories for us to return to like the one we are about to start. Its views and its summit are truly life-changing. And after making us all stop for an ice cream, Mike returned to his seat, and Robert got up and shared some of the research he had done on the track that we were heading to and about to start. He shared about how it is not only a track that is life-defining, as Mike talked about, but that it has been crafted over thousands of years and how it is globally recognized as being special. People have legitimately died so that we may have the opportunity to walk it. He shared how we are arriving at this track at a point in its history when it's in its form that is accessible to the masses, 
which has not always been the case. And our legs are itching and needing to move. And you've had some great fellowship on the bus. And now we are finally pulling into the car park to start this infamous trek. And I have come to the door to open the bus for you. Now, as your tour guide for the reading and understanding the Bible track today, it is my job to make sure that before we even start the track itself and we take our first steps, that each of you are actually prepared and have everything that you are going to need along the way. And today, that is going to be our focus and that we are going to spend some time making sure that we are all prepared and have all that we need for the best chance of success in the weeks to follow. A final pack and conditions check before we set off, if you will. Now, if you have ever actually driven to the start of a track anywhere in New Zealand, it is highly likely that you have seen a sign similar to this. Hands up if you have seen a sign similar to this. Yep, okay. These kinds of signs are all over New Zealand, aren't they? They are a kind of symbol of adventure. They represent an opportunity to explore and to see. They notify us of the start of a track, and they often have details such as the name of the track and how long it is in kilometers and how much time it takes to do it. And if it is a track frequented by tourists like our one, it will also tell you the kind of fitness levels that you need to finish it. Essentially, these signs exist to mark the start of a defined adventure and to give you an idea of what to expect. And it is at the sign at the start of our reading and understanding Bible track where I, as your tour guide, am going to make my very first point about the track itself to make sure that you are prepared for the journey ahead and what it's going to contain. And thus, the first point as your tour guide I'm going to make today in pursuit of making sure that you are prepared and ready is to tell you that this journey that we are about to take together, reading and understanding this, is hard. I think a lot of Christians, they make the mistake as they hop onto their buses or into their cars and drive to this track that it's just more like a morning stroll. They don't do their research and they hear about it and they go and they arrive unprepared, thinking it's going to be easy. But that is not the case. Reading and understanding the Bible is hard. It is not easy, nor is it meant to be. I'm going to say that again, because it, as your tour guide, it's greatly important that you understand this and adjust your expectations accordingly before we set off. This book, this track, is hard. It is beautiful, it is rich, it is meaningful and life-changing. And while there are some nice leisurely bits, overall, it is hard. Now, I am not proud of this, but when I was about 16, uh, the Twilight books were all the rage. And me and one of my high school friends uh, decided that we would have a competition to see who could finish them the quickest. And so powered by a healthy sense of competition, 
um, and completely absorbed by the gripping storyline of whether Bella was going to choose a werewolf or a vampire to be her lifelong companion, I flew through hundreds and hundreds of Twilight pages in weeks. It was gripping. It was very easy to read. I stress I was about you know, 14 years younger than I am now. Um, but I stress the point that it was an easy read, okay? And our modern culture is very much like this, in that we are used to the books that we read either being easy-to-read novels with characters that we love and plot lines that grip us, or self-help or self-growth books that, again, are easy to read and ascertain exactly what it means for me. And if we don't like it, we just stop reading it. If we aren't entertained or getting value, either in terms of enjoyment or value for ourselves, we put it down. Or we give it a bad review. Or we move, and we move on to something that does fill those needs for us. Our modern culture is very much one that has made books a recreational or self-help piece where ease and readability and direct benefit are the expectations that we have been conditioned to expect. The track signs for books of our modern culture look something like this. Easy. 500-meter loop. Modern literature. No fitness required. Essentially, anyone can do it. It's easy as. Now, I am all about reading and enjoying literature. And it is one of the ways that I love to relax when I get the chance to do so. Um, I read Ruth Bader Ginsburg's biography over the summer. I've been working my way through the Seven Sisters series. And so I, I, I love to read modern literature. However, the first point I feel to emphasize as your tour guide as we prepare to start the track of reading and understanding this, is not to transfer our modern cultural expectations onto this book and to start walking this track thinking that it's going to be the same as reading a novel. Because if you do, you are setting yourself up for disappointment. You will be wholly unprepared for the track that is the one that we are exploring. See, once you actually got off the bus, and I brought you to the start of the track, the sign would actually say something like this. Hard. Lifetime journey. Ancient literature. Fitness is gained. The Bible is ancient literature, family. It is not a novel. It is not a self-help book. It is a collection of narrative, poetry, and discourse books that were written thousands of years ago at a time where our world looked very different to the one that we live in today. The collection of scrolls and letters that make up this collection and are assembled in this book were written in the context of very different cultural values, norms, habits, and priorities. Attitudes to war, battle, violence, women's rights, family, were very different. And multiple authors con contributed at different moments in history and who have each had their very specific reason for writing 
and their own writing style. So that passage I read to you from Judges, um, they don't know, the, well, there's no guarantee about who the author of Judges actually was, and they don't know exactly the dates of when it was written, but a best guess is around 6th or 7th century BC, okay? So we're talking that that passage that I just read out to you is thousands and thousands of years old. And it's written by someone who was writing about a key event in Israelite history. The overall intention of biblical authors, like the one who wrote that passage, was not to create a bestseller or to make it readable to the masses, which is what we are used to. But rather, the intention is to communicate a specific message or recount an important piece of history for people of the day. Ancient literature, folks. Unbelievably different to our modern-day norms. And therefore, before we even set off on our track of understanding and reading the Bible, we need to know that this track is different to the other books that we are used to. We must understand the Bible was written for us, but not to us. And its content, therefore, won't automatically always make sense to us, like the passage in Judges. It won't always have all of the details that we want. It won't always spell out how it is to impact our lives today. It's going to have some very weird and random passages inside of it. So if you are someone who has found it hard to read and understand the Bible, and who has perhaps felt guilty for that, can I release you from that today? Adjust your expectations of what kind of track and what kind of book it is that we are seeking to read. And understand and know that because it is ancient literature, it is going to be hard. So now that we have, we know the track before us is going to be hard, thanks to the informing sign in the car park, we not only have to adjust our expectations, but we also have to check that we have the right supplies. And today we're going to start with making sure that we have the right hat or mindset and the right footwear to match that mindset as we embark on this hard journey. Now, in my early 20s, I didn't understand yet that the Bible was ancient literature and that therefore the track was hard. And I would say that the hat and footwear combo that I was doning at the time was more of a beach hat and beach hat and jandal combination. Which I pre-prepared earlier. Right. In my early 20s, my biblical attire looked like this. And it had features like the following. Every time I read it, I believed that I should be able to see exactly what God was saying to me directly and my situation. And he should reveal that to me really quickly. Because it's supposed to be easy, right? I also believed that the track is supposed because it's supposed to be easy that it was okay just to walk the parts that were easy and deem those side options or alternative routes like the book of Judges or Ecclesiastes 
or Job or Revelation or all those ones that are quite known to be a bit hard work, that it was okay for me not to read them. They're in the Old Testament. They don't apply to me. So I would just stop where I wanted, really, and I would stay and lunch in the Psalms section over and over and over again. Or I'd read Ruth over and over and over again. Or a nice parable. I'd glaze over what I wanted because I just wanted to find what was applicable to me and what I liked. And finally, I also had the mentality that this track, because it was supposed to be easy and quick, that it was okay for me to read single scriptures in isolation. Um, or classically, classically, if you're looking for a Bible verse on love or on joy or on peace, you just head to Bible Gateway, right? And you type in love, joy, peace, and all of the scriptures come up for you. And you just pick the one that is the most applicable to, to your mood that day. I'd treat the Bible as more of a modern-day reference book instead of the ancient collection of books that it is. I was dressed for the easy trick, and my hat was suited for that first sign, and that I only needed to prepare for a quick and leisurely trip. One that I could do quickly, but for maximum benefit, getting the metaphorical photo that I wanted, and then hit um, the life journey road again, circling back whenever I wanted or needed to, to alleviate any guilt I felt. And obviously the only footwear that I would need for such a walk would be jandals, because jandals don't have any tread, and therefore, you know, they aren't going to cope on a track, but it's not hard, so why would I need anything else? They're not equipped for challenging terrain. Now, I am not saying that God cannot speak to you through a single scripture at all. I'm not saying that, because he absolutely can, and he absolutely does. Um, authors wrote the scriptures in partnership with the Holy Spirit, um, and so I'm not saying that they cannot speak to us in our situation specifically. However, as your tour guide, what I am saying is that to grow in our understanding of the Bible in its entirety and to see how Scripture contributes into a much bigger and richer storyline, we need to make sure that we are not just consuming single bits of Scripture in isolation, but instead that we are meditating on it and its place in the ultimate storyline. See, as well as the Bible being ancient literature, which means it's hard, it is also meditation literature. Biblical authors wrote their books with the intention of getting us to think, to study, and to continually think back on what we read. They never, ever, ever meant to give us all of the answers right away, as we have come to expect, and as we think they should. And this means that it takes time and deliberate study to understand. So I would encourage you to make sure that the hat you have packed isn't suited for the beach, but is much more durable and dependable through the hard track. And is more a hat like the one I'm going to dig out now. More of a hat and mindset like this. 
Okay? A hat of this kind represents having a mindset that will set you up to enjoy this track for all that it's worth. And that is having a mindset of committing to continual meditation, reflection, and study of the scriptures. And I was listening to a podcast recently, and they shared an insight on this point that I thought was quite profound, and I thought I would share it with you all this morning. And they read from Psalm 1, which says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chafe that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the wicked will perish. And the guys on this podcast, they drew attention to the first verse and how it talks about walking and standing and sitting and that a blessed man is therefore never in a physical position during the day or the night where he is not meditating on the word. When we are walking, standing, and sitting throughout our days and our lives, we are called to be continually reflecting and chewing over this and delighting ourselves in it despite its challenges and despite the existence of passages like Judges 19. And this was the intention of biblical authors, to get us to continually pour over and study and reflect. The word meditate originally in Hebrew means to ponder, to imagine, to mourn, to mutter, to roar, to speak, to study, to talk, to utter. So going back to our lovely passage in Judges 19, for someone reading that passage in Judges who has more of the jandal and beach attire, um, you'll, you'll likely read that, if at all, if at all. And you'll discard it as being a random piece of scripture that has no impact whatsoever on your life today. You might think, oh my word, it's in the Old Testament. It doesn't apply to me. You might read it, think it's blinking weird, and just move on, trying to find something that isn't quite as horrible and seems a little bit more appropriate and applicable. You may read it, and it may trigger feelings of guilt that you don't actually understand what it means. And it probably confirms that Judges was just a waste of time, causing more confusion than revelation. However, Someone with a durable hat and walking shoes like this with decent threads, you see, will arrive at that point in Judges with their knowledge and their mindset of reading the Bible and understanding it 
and its meditation literature and not being deterred. Their mindset is not one of consumption, but rather is one of meditation. And the reader will set about studying and mulling that scripture, not running past it and discarding it instantly. Someone with an understanding that the Bible is meditation will know that every word, every word in the Bible is there for a reason. And thus, there is always a purpose, even for passages like Judges 19. It just takes a mindset of study and reflection and a willingness to sit and stand and walk through our days with a commitment to do just that. And when they do that, they will realize that this passage in Judges is actually quite profound and important in the story that leads to Jesus. They might discover through study, for example, that there were some very different cultural norms back then, that women were treated very differently. They would also discover that the reason the man took his concubine into Gibeah in the first place was because the cultural norm of the day was that hospitality would be offered to them. You'll hear that as I was reading it, that he didn't want to stay in the land of the Jebusites who weren't from the Israelite nation. He wanted to get into familiar family land because of the, the expectation and the cultural norm of hospitality being opened, offered to them. And so the fact that they arrived and didn't receive an offer right away was actually the author building up to the climatic point and giving us an indication of things to come. A red flag, if you may. In this day, we, they, in this day when this was written, they also had a real community sense of justice. Whole tribes would rally to pursue justice for those in their tribe or family who had been offended or harmed. And this is why we see this man cutting up his concubine and sending her out across the lands. He's calling out to his family to help him get justice. Now that is a very different paradigm of getting justice than what we in our modern society have. We have a very individual focus and a very much we'll just trust the system. Not the norm then. And we need to understand that. And the whole incident actually highlighted, and this is key, the whole incident highlights how far the moral and the ethical standards had fallen and the need for God to be restored as the one that they were following. A mindset of reflection and study, folks. You will not get out of this book and this track all that you can if you do not have it. So now that we have the appropriate hat and footwear representing the right mindset of study and meditation and the long journey ahead, but everybody knows, even a, long, a, a non-tramper like myself, that you can't just rock into a long, hard track with just hat and shoes in yourself. <laughs> if you're setting off on a journey, you find a suitable pack to take with you, and you fill that pack with supplies. You figure out ways to cart around as much food as possible. You pack suitable clothing for the elements. If you're me, you pack like, you know, unbelievable amounts of... Where's my table of props gone? That's awkward. Oh, Murdo, do you, do you want to go get the props, Murdo? 
He's just too efficient as the church manager. Okay. You find a suitable pack to take with you and fill up the pack with supplies. You figure out ways to cart around as much food as possible. You pack suitable clothing. You bring water and sunscreen and a sleeping bag, tent and copious amounts of insect repellent. Essentially, no one arrives at the start of a journey with a sign that says hard and that promises to take ages and cover all kinds of terrain with nothing. And in a similar way, we too need to resource and equip ourselves for our journey through the Bible. Can you bring that, lift that one up, Robert? And as we equip ourselves, we are preparing to get the absolute best out of this book as we walk in it. So, what does one put in the pack for the journey of understanding and reading the Bible? Here are some things that I would recommend. First off, it is important to acknowledge that as well as the Bible being ancient literature written thousands of years ago, a meditation literature designed to make us to think and to study and to ponder, it is also communal literature. And that originally, scrolls of scripture would be read to groups and they would listen and discuss the scriptures together. The author's intention was for groups of the day to pore over these writings and meditate together on their meaning and their richness, communal literature read as a group. However, by contrast, in our modern world, several thousand years later, we have a very different approach to Bible reading. We have this very modern construct of having quiet times and reading the Bible alone in isolation. And while there is great value in that, I'm all for it, can I encourage you an acknowledgement that it is communal literature, to be sharing with people what you are reading as well and getting their thoughts on it. Nay was making her way through Judges at the end of last year and knowing that she was approaching Judges 19, I said to her, you just let me know when you get there. And we have had many um, an interesting conversations since trying to figure out that passage. So to represent sharing your Bible reading, with friends, and intentionally discussing things in community as per the author's design, I have a bag of nuts, because my friends are a bit nutty. Um, I'm sure yours are too, but they're of exceptional value in journey of life. So in the nuts go. However, by con... So we have nuts. Obviously, we also need the source. We need a good translation of the Bible. Scholars acknowledge that the Bible wasn't written in English originally. Did you know that? That blew my mind. You just think about what that actually means. And different translations have occurred at different points in human history when different words were available. So essentially, different versions use different words as per what was available at the time that it was being translated. And therefore, the words that we read aren't necessarily the original ones that were written by the authors. So in pursuit of study and meditation and understanding the track 
can I recommend that each of you at some point this year load yourself up with a concordance, okay? This will allow you to find the original Hebrew and Greek words that were used and to derive their true and original meaning. You may also choose to load yourself up with a Bible commentary, so that you can read the insights of others regarding the particular section of track that you are on. We'll get that one in there. Now, what else is in your pack may be different to mine, and that is okay. In my pack at the moment, for example, I have two, two specific commentaries on judges. Okay, But that's just because I'm on a journey of trying to understand it. So I've got them in there. I also recently made my way through this book, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Brian recommended it. Sensational. Sensational book in terms of understanding the Bible track and all of its elements. So that's in my pack. Now, I also struggle unbelievably. Getting vulnerable now, folks. I understand I struggle unbelievably to read the prophets. I just could not get through Isaiah. Mark makes it look easy. But when you're looking at it in its entirety, um, oh, some people love it, but I find it so long and hard to follow. And so instead of reading it, I listened to it on Bible audio when I was running last year. Um, because I wanted to get through the content, um, I just needed to find a way for me to absorb it in a way that was actually working for me. And so I listened to it on Bible audio, and I have Jeremiah and Ezekiel to go. They're the only books in the Bible that I haven't read entirely. Um, again, because they're prophets, and I just find it such hard work. But the audio Bible for me. So I have a headphone and I have headphones and a cell phone. And I'm also a really big podcast listener. I have learned a lot about what I know about the Bible through podcasts. So a phone and headphones for me. But no matter what you choose to put in your pack, equip and resource yourself for the long track ahead. Invest in tools that you can carry with you and that will help you study and understand the ancient track, and that will sustain and help you through the journey. Draw on the wisdom and the knowledge of your brothers and sisters in the body who, may, who you may not have met, but who have walked this track before you as you yourself study the ancient literature. Don't walk this hard track with just you, your Bible, your hat and your shoes. I personally believe that if you are reading only the Bible alone all of the time and not drawing on the knowledge of friends or the expertise of others in the body and the resources that they offer to help you understand what you're walking through, you will struggle greatly to get all that you can from this. You'll miss so much of what is on offer because you haven't yet had the eyes to see for yourself, unless you're supersonic, in which case, great. So I ask you, as I finish today and as the van come up, what is in your pack? What do you need to equip yourself going forward? 
to make sure that you are equipped to study and understand and fully enjoy the track that we are on. And just as I finish, um, I just want to say, as your tour guide, <laughs> um, that everybody is welcome. Um, I hope that I haven't uh, made you feel bad or feel condemned at all if you have been able to relate to having a beach mentality or um, struggled through literature. That is not my heart at all. But rather my real heart is that um, over the next two weeks as we start the track, today is all about getting prepared, making sure that we're ready. Next week we actually take our first steps on it. Stay tuned. Um, that today really serves as something by which the Spirit can stir and edit your expectations if you've, got the if you've had the wrong ones or, make, or prompt you to go and to buy a concordance or to buy some books to help get you started on your way. Equip yourself, family, for the journey that's ahead. I'll see you next week when we start the track.